Today is the eighth Sunday after Pentecost. On this date also comes the feast of St. Dominic, great confessor of the faith and founder of the Dominican Order, the Order of Friars Preachers. The second oration of the Mass today is taken from the feast day of St. Dominic. Now the epistle for this, the eighth Sunday after Pentecost, is taken from the epistle of St. Paul to the Romans, chapter 8, verses 12 to 17. Brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you shall die. But if by the Spirit you mortify the deeds of the flesh, you shall live. For whosoever are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage, again in fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption of sons. Whereby we cry, Abba, Father. For the Spirit himself giveth testimony to our spirit that we are the sons of God, and if sons, heirs also, heirs indeed of God, and joint heirs with Christ. Please stand for the Holy Gospel. The Gospel is taken from that according to St. Luke, chapter 16, verses 1 to 9. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. At that time, Jesus spoke to his disciples this parable. There was a certain rich man who held a who had a steward, and the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. And he called him and said to him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship, for now thou canst be steward no longer. And the steward said within himself, What shall I do, because my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship? To dig I am not able, to beg I am ashamed. I know what I will do, that when I shall be removed from the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. Therefore, calling together every one of his Lord's debtors, he said to the first, How much dost thou owe my Lord? But he said, A hundred barrels of oil. And he said to him, Take thy bill and sit down quickly and write fifty. Then he said to another, And how much dost thou owe? Who said, A hundred quarters of wheat. He said to him, Take thy bill and write eighty. And the Lord commended the unjust steward, for as much as he had done wisely, for the children of this world are wiser in their generation than the children of the light. And I say to you, make unto you friends of the mammon of iniquity, that when you shall fail, they may receive you into everlasting dwellings. Thus far the words of today's Holy Gospel. Please be seated, and how much dost thou owe my Lord? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. My dear faithful, that is a great question that we should ask ourselves every day of our lives, what we owe to Almighty God. In the epistle today, St. Paul makes the point that we are not debtors to this world. We are not indebted to this world we do not have to thank the world for the things that we use in it. Quite the contrary. We must restore these things. We must return these things. The flesh will return to the earth and decay, corrupt, 
and become one with the earth again. There is no generosity toward us on the part of the material things of this world. Rather, God himself has given them to us to use for our benefit, for his glory, for our sanctification. And so, if we are in debt, we are in debt to Almighty God. And those who, because of their love for him, have done us good things, have shown charity to us. It is a matter of charity, that is, love, that imposes upon us a real debt. It is that charity of God, that love of God, that has brought us into existence, that has created our souls. Each and every one of us created individually in a special act, as it were, of creation, a soul created to be ourselves, individually, personally, exclusively, forever. We owe God the gratitude for our very existence and all the good things that are in creation we owe to him. We are not debtors to the flesh, but we are debtors to the God who made all things. St. Paul makes this point very, very strongly in the epistle today because he wants us to understand that we are not to be servants or, as it were, slaves of the material things of this world. But we can become that. We can make ourselves slaves of these things by sin. Rather, St. Paul tells us our servitude is really toward God, that those who have the Holy Ghost guiding them realize that they are not the children of this world, as it were. They are children of Almighty God, who has justified them from sin and sanctified them by grace. That sanctifying grace in the soul of each one of us here is what gives us a claim to an inheritance. By virtue of our Lord's sacrificial death for us on the cross, we now are considered by God to be children, his children, spiritually his children. He has, he has actually brought us to life and given us a share, even here on earth, of his own life in sanctifying grace. And you know that if you are a child and if you share in the life that is given to you and you share in the life of those who gave it to you, as we share in the life of God by sanctifying grace, you have a right to an inheritance if you are faithful. And that inheritance for us is nothing less than everlasting life. That's our inheritance. Every one of us here baptized and now in the state of grace, has that inheritance to claim. What a great boon that is. What a great reward that is. What a great prize that is. Why would one trade anything of this world? Why would one take anything of this world in exchange for that? Well, it is actually what God has in store for each one of us, an inheritance that comes to us through the sacrificial death of our Lord, who St. Paul says gave us that, as it were, through a will and testament of his death on the cross. He gained for us that inheritance. 
Now, the gospel reflects this. The gospel is brought together with this epistle today by the church because of that very idea of being a debtor, being indebted, and what we do with the debts. You see, in the gospel today, a wealthy man who owns a villa or a vineyard has a steward. Today, I guess we might consider someone like that to have the position of chief financial officer. It's a position of trust. And this man, the steward today, abused the trust of his master. In fact, he was denounced to him as wasting his goods. So somebody who is meant to be an overseer, exercise oversee, oversight over the wealth of another, has a responsibility to care about that wealth and to protect it. But this man did not do that. He was very careless about it, showed no respect for the man who hired him and no respect for the man's goods. And so he was denounced as having wasted them. And so the the man called him in, the, the employer called him in and said to him, what is this I hear of thee? You can no longer be the steward. Clearly, his trust had been violated. And then he told him, go and make an accounting because you have to leave the position. Now remember, this man had not yet been denounced to him as dishonest, but only as wasteful. But then the steward realizing that he was losing his employment, <clears throat> thought, what am I going to do? He said, I'm not physically strong enough to dig ditches, and I'm too proud to beg. So I think I will do something which will be a crime. It was actually a crime. The wasting Steward now became the thieving steward. And he thought he would get all of his master's debtors involved in the crime, to be partners in crime with him, so that he would have something to held over their heads and even blackmail them with. Now, the gospel says he called in every single one of his master's debtors. Curious that when he was the steward of his master's goods, he was so careless but now that it involves his benefit, now that it involves his lifestyle and his standard of living, now he's going to be very careful. Now, of all times, why wasn't he careful before? Why would he become careful now so that he calls in every single one of his master's debtors and rewrites the bill? And he doesn't invite the debtors to write, to rewrite the bill. He doesn't say to them, well, would you like to do this, or would uh, there be some, uh, some way I could induce you to do this? He orders them. He says, sit down and write this instead. Every single one of them. That's how this man is very determined to come out of this doing well for himself. And so what he does is he gets all of his master's debtors to be thieves like himself, but now he has this to hold over their heads. Now imagine being one of the debtors who owed the oil or the wheat and having the steward call you in and say, well, let's rewrite your bill now. Imagine you're thinking, well, wait a minute now, what am I doing? This is a crime. I'm joining this steward in his crime, 
and becoming a criminal myself. And for the sake of 50 barrels of oil, I'm going to basically sell this man my soul. I'm going to give him this control over me so that he can blackmail me, so that he can come and move into my house. Or if he doesn't, he might denounce me for stealing. Or if you were the debtor who owned the wheat, for the sake of 20 quarters of wheat, you would do this. You'd put yourself in this evil man's power to control you, to fear that he will denounce you and expose your, your thievery. Well, why would people do things like this? They do. They certainly do. They put themselves in the, in the power of evil people. They put themselves even in the power of Satan himself by their sins. They actually put themselves in his power. And they, they must realize that this will not end well. That those who are partners in crime with them because of their sins, because of the scandal that they've given, inducing others to sin, and, and we can do that. We can actually, by the things we do, encourage others to sin and encourage others to go to hell, even people near and dear to us, because we think we're being nice to them and being kind to them. And what we're actually doing is attacking their souls by by encouraging them to do things that are morally, gravely evil and for which they will be condemned to hell someday. We can we can have that effect on the souls of others. Why Why would one sacrifice his own soul for that? Our Lord asked the question, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and suffer the loss of his own soul, let alone 50 barrels of oil, 20 quarters of wheat, for the price of one's own soul? What a tragedy it is. But we see it happen every day. We see people doing it before our very eyes. Every day. Here's the great issue involved here in the gospel today. Our Lord actually rebukes you and me because you and I see these things happening. But we don't really understand the significance of what's going on here. Our Lord is actually, in this gospel, criticizing you and me. He's not really so much praising the steward in his double dealing. He's not really praising him in the sense of congratulating him as though he did something really good. The word here for wisdom, really, in the Greek, and in implies a certain cleverness, but not the virtue of wisdom or the gift of wisdom from the Holy Ghost. That's not what is said here. A certain cleverness, that this man knows a way to take care of himself, at least in his earthly life, in his mortal life. And uh, so our Lord says that the children of this generation are wiser, and he says they're wiser in this, in their generation, in this generation. What does that mean? Well, the generation is where you came from. It was where you were born. And this has to do with who these people are. If you have been baptized, you've been born of grace by God. You've received a second birth, a supernatural birth in God's grace. But those who are of the world who live for the world and die for the world, 
those who work for the world, they are of the generation of the world. They are the generation of this life and a fallen world of sin. And in that way, they show themselves to be much more industrious. They show themselves giving much more thought and much more effort, investing much more time and energy in the things of the world, which will take them to hell <laughs> than you and I do in terms of time and effort and sacrifice. The things that will lead us to heaven, the things that will obtain for us that inheritance of everlasting life. And it is a rebuke, a rebuke to us that they are working hard and so much harder than we do many times to lose their souls than we are doing, that we are working, that we are sacrificing to save our souls. So my dear people, we should take this rebuke of our Lord to heart. We should ask ourselves, well, uh, to what extent am I that unjust steward? To what extent do I think I'll get ahead in the world by cutting corners of the moral law of God and by defrauding God of the things that I owe him in order to gain the things of the world? We should ask ourselves to what extent we are willing to encourage people to do things that will get them to hell, as this man did with the the creditor or the, the debtors of his Lord, to actually encourage people to do things that are morally wrong and damnable by our silence, by our complicitness, by our even collusion? Are we willing to inspire and encourage the sins of others that will lead to their damnation? And we do that for our own convenience, just to get along. To what extent do we defraud our Lord as the Pharisees did, looking for the praise of the world, looking for the glory of the world, as it were, rather than stand up for what we know is right. My dear faithful, our Lord has given us one great soul, among many others, one great soul, to show us what it is truly to be a genuine steward or servant of God. And this was the one this was the woman who, even as she was becoming the mother of God, still considered herself the servant or the handmaiden of the Lord. Even caring for her child, the Son of God, as her own child, she considered herself to be at the service of God and always a handmaiden or a steward of God's greatness. Now, when we think about the good things that God has made that he puts in our care, and we realize that God wants us to take good care of these things and make them produce good fruit, get some good benefit out of them. What can we say about the Blessed Mother into whose hands our Lord placed, literally placed his own divine Son and the price of the world's redemption and the salvation of every saint in heaven? God has placed that in her care. Now talk about stewardship. Talk about being a servant or a handmaid of the Lord. This was entrusted to her. And how perfectly she fulfilled that stewardship. How perfectly she served as the handmaid of the Lord. 
how trustworthy she was. It was a matter of love. It was all a labor of love. Ultimately, it will be so with you and me, every one of us. What do we owe our Lord? Well, the first thing we owe him is our faith. We owe him belief in his words, his revelation to us. We see this in the doctrines of our Catholic faith. We owe him faith. And we owe him hope. We owe to place our hope in him and not in the things of the world, but in him who alone is our Lord, who alone is our Redeemer, and who we want to be our Savior in heaven. Our hope must be placed in God alone. And we also owe him our love, our charity. And from that charity, from that love, follows obedience. It's simply a matter of this. Our love of God induces us to prefer his will to our own petty, selfish wills. That we prefer God's will. And because of that, we will obey his will. We will obey his commands. No wonder our Lord says so many times in the gospel, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. That is the criterion that he gives that those who love him keep his commandments. It is a matter of love, finally. And so we turn to Our Lady again this day, and we ask her to teach us how to love her dear divine son. That we ask her to show us what it is to be a good steward of the manifold grace of God, that we be able to be faithful to him and not sell our souls for the things of the world, but rather to hold them very securely, to hold them for God, to be able to render them to him one day, to return them to him one day in perfect condition, now enriched with grace and many good deeds that we've done out of love for him. This is what we want to be able to render to our Lord someday. And what we receive is so unspeakably greater than anything we could possibly give to our Lord. Of all the things that he's given to us that we now must render to him in the end when he calls us, the reward that he has to give is greater than anything we could give him. The reward he has for us is an inheritance that he reserves for his own children, spiritually his own children, and that reward is a share in his own divine life forever. I pray that every one of us here may someday claim that inheritance. May God bless you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen.